Do you like wrestling trivia? Then check out the five-star match game, the Pro Wrestling Quiz Show. I'm Joe Gagney, and every episode, I grill three contestants with five rounds of power-packed wrestling trivia. We have over 30 evergreen episodes in the archives covering WWE, AEW, Japan, Mexico, and much, 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 much more. Play along at home and check it out today. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Hey there, Thunder Buddies and Travelers Down Thunder Road. It's us, Days of Thunder, the WCW Thunder rewatch podcast that you didn't ask for, but we did anyway, coming to as part of the Voices of Wrestling podcast network. I'm your host, your fancy festive Dan on Thunder Road, Dave Ryan, and I am joined, as always, by my faithful co-host, Stagger Lee Malone. Lee, how are you? This is one of our last podcast recordings of 2022. Are you feeling festive, pal? Um, No. <laughs> <laughs> I come in like a fucking house on fire there, just like Stonewall straight away. We're talking about a pay-per-view from May. Why do we feel festive? From May 1999, no less. I'm no more festive this fucking week than I am any other week. You're just like the dad that sits in a fucking chair and just waits for that moment at like seven or eight o'clock. The kids are going to bed and like the last guest leaves and you're the one that gets to deliver the it's all over now line. <laughs> That's it for another year. I'm not going to lie. I definitely said that. Yeah, no, you definitely have. You definitely have. <laughs> Just like I predict like 10 or 15 years from now, you'll be the like the the dad who very early on as his life starts doing the mightn't be here next year gag. Again, pretty sure I've said that before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, my my granddad is prone to the um Troy, you get me a jumper, I won't be around long enough to wear it. <laughs> Jesus. He's been saying it for a good 20 years. I haven't reached that stage yet, but yeah. Yeah, well, like, keep I that one relate. in your back pocket. <laughs> um, no, I think I have realized I'm slowly morphing into red from that 70s show. Mm. Yeah. Oh, I could see that. I could see you have a touch of the red about you. Yeah. Um Starting to call Connor and all his friends dumbasses. <laughs> what? Um, I was trying to think back. I was trying to think of a festive question, right? Festive wrestling question. I've got a very unwrestling festive question for you first, okay, because this is it. something that came up to me uh, in work. Um, a one of my groups are super into the, uh, this assortment of characters, and they determined that your answer to this question that you're about to answer for me, Lee, tells a lot about someone's personality. Okay. That is. Who is your favorite Muppet? Mm. 
I, they were, we were on a bus on the way to ice skating. Oh no, sorry, it was on the way to a cinema trip. And this group started singing the soundtrack to Muppets Take Manhattan. Not even okay. the two recent ones that would have come out when they were kids, like the old school, like shit. Yeah. We were like that. Our, that was our generation. Like Muppets mm. Take Manhattan came out when we were toddlers. Um, so like I was super impressed. And then they were just like, "Yeah, we think whoever your favorite Mupp- Muppet is tells a lot about you." So okay. Hit me. Uh, well, Muppets Christmas Carol is one of my favorite Christmas movies. <sighs> it's the so, best telling of that story, and I don't care. Um, one of the central characters in that movie is Rizzo Dura. Yeah, and I love Rizzo. I love Rizzo too. Oh, speaking of Muppets Take Manhattan as well, um, mm. did you know that they've um they've restored the uh, the deleted scenes to that on the Disney Plus version now? Oh, so have they? they? Oh. The missing song that everybody has raved about that's on the soundtrack album but not in the movie for okay. years. That that scene is back in it now, and I think it's in 4K as well. They dropped like that on Die Hard in 4K on Disney Plus this Christmas, so. They're getting a watch. Um, Rizzo's <laughs> a strong choice. Who, who was your choice? So the young people tried to put, because I love um, when I'm talking with teenagers, one of my favorite bits is to try and be like. Relatable. Uh, no, try and like really uh, like ham up how uncool I am. So that, that, they, that would explain the hat you're wearing. Though. Yeah. Hey, look, this beanie is comfortable. And <laughs> I have so much hair now that I, I need it keep it away from my face because i don't want to tie it up in this weather um no i so they they said to me fozzy bear because okay. you know the bad jokes because so, mm. i all i am i am i'm an absolute git for the the bad jokes and the dad jokes we have a, a challenge that we do as an icebreaker for groups sometimes where it's to like sit like directly opposite each other in chairs stare at each other without breaking eye contact and tell dad jokes until someone laughs um, so they that's why they say Fozzy Bear. I would actually, you know, speaking of Muppets Christmas Carol, Gonzo would be very high on the list. Mm. Gonzo is great, very un- underrated, I think. Yeah, yes, Gonzo is great, pun intended. There, um, you, you never say Kermit, that's the thing, you never say no, Kermit. no, Kermit's, nobody ever wants to be Kermit. Ker- Kermit and Piggy are too root one for people. I won't accept those answers from anybody. Um, so Gonzo is absolutely up there. I love Rolf. Rolf is great. Mm. Um, Pepe the shrimp yep. is is a classic, but I would have to say, and you know, you might think I'm going to cheese it because it's technically two, but I think you'd agree that these two are inseparable as characters. The ones that made me laugh the most growing up as a kid because of how like just dumb and the same gag over and over again it was is Doctor Bunsen, Honeydew, and Beaker. Yeah, I, I can see that for you. Yeah, yes. And um, I loved the 2012 reboot of the Muppets so much, but like perhaps my favorite bit, uh, and there's a lot of favorite bits in that movie, is when the barbershop quartet do smells like teen spirit. And every one of the words that you shouldn't sing in a children's movie was replaced by Beaker going, me, 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 moo. <laughs> so fucking so fucking Ingenious. dumb yeah. but i was like i had tears streaming down my face laughing um yeah i i love dr bunsen honeydew and beaker so that they've got to be up there for me so, it's, so it's, if i if i've only allowed pick one muppet then it's gonzo but if i'm allowed a double act it's probably them or statler and waldorf as mm. well 
So the 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 uh, teenagers um decide what the specific Muppets told them about your personality. I I, I think it's more like your personality is most like the Muppets you okay, enjoy right, the most. Right. I I think it's fairly like an analog analogous in that way as like so. Uh, that's why, you know, in front of a group of teenagers, you don't want to say gonzo because then they will, to mock you, immediately infer that you're in some way attracted to chickens, as, as he very much is in that. Um, so you got to navigate these waters, mate, because like when you're talking... Kids kids can be so cruel, can't they? Dude, when you're talking to teenagers, you have to think three moves ahead. It's like, because they ask you a question, you're like, right, is this a genuine question or is it a setup to a gag? yeah. You know, so you got you 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 gotta. It's very twisty when you're talking to them. Um, before we get into the pay per view uh, for this month, I I think it's time for us Lee to go to your good self up in the Days of Thunder Control Center. Welcome back to the Days of Thunder Control Center. I'm of course Dougalie Malone here to tell you all about everything you can find at patreon.com forward slash WCW Thunderpod. Earlier this month, we released episode one of the second season of TRL. Our watch-along series as we watch started in 1995, the WCW and New Japan Pro Wrestling Supercar from December of that year. And then... This Sunday, December 25th, Christmas morning, we have a very special gift for all of our listeners as we'll have the second annual Days of Thunder and You've Got to Be Kidding Me crossover show as Garrett and Liam join Dave and I to talk WWA The Revolution. And that show will be available for free on allargemanappears.com and tnachad.com. Also, this holiday season, we'll have our second serial episode of the month as we'll be talking some classic Dragon Gate for the first time ever as we watch Kobe Pro Wrestling Festival 16. For just $5 a month, you will just you will get exclusive access to TRL Season 2 as well as our ever-growing back catalogue of shows including Rehash of the Champions, our series covering every NWA and WCW era of Clash of the Champions. Black and Golden Days, a series where we work through every season of NXT before we get to the promised land of network era NXT. DOT at the movies, access to Dave's Match of the Year, tracker he likes to call it The Sheet. Show notes and exclusive previews to our show there before they are published on Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. And if you think $5 a month is just, just isn't enough, you can sign up on the $15 TRL tier and you can choose what Dave and I have to watch. Patreon.com forward slash WCW Thunderpod, com. Don't delay sign up today and now i return you to your regularly scheduled podcast this is slamboree 1999 coming from st louis missouri 9th of may 2022 we start off with a video package from the end of thunder and i know lee since the last podcast you've been itching for some video packages i just feel like we 
we don't get enough video packages. No, well, they've got that, your I mean, back it, on this. It, it, it's almost AWS with the lack of video packages. One of, the, one of the things we said a, a lot early doors on the podcast that we really liked about WCW pay-per-views is that they never gave time to the faff backstage. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? If you were going to do an interview, it was brief and it was either on stage or in the ring with Gino. Um, there was no backstage angles. Mm-hmm. And apart from the odd video package at the start of the show and to maybe hype up one to two matches on the show, there weren't a lot of vignettes either. Um, That's gone. <laughs> that latter thing. <laughs> I think this was the pay-per-view of all the ones we've watched so far. The like, you know, what, 15, 16 uh, WCW pay-per-views we have under our belt in the timeline. Um, This is the one where I noticed the strain of video packages the most. And I think that's perhaps because the vast majority of them were video packages we've seen before on Thunder. Well, I mean, the whole opening of this pay-per-view is the closing two and a half minutes of Thunder. Mm. Look, I... If you get a good video package that resonates with an audience that like has people intrigued that really hypes up a show, I'm all for it. Show it mm-hmm. to bits. You could not have shown the My Way video enough in yeah. 2001. Or th- those awesome Desire videos. Yeah. Or, you know, you name any of the famous Fed ones, like the Run Up That Hill for Taker and Sean mm-hmm. or anything like that. Um, the when they're... Marie videos. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. When they're good, they're good. But this is kind of like, I wouldn't even say a lot of them are bad. They're just redundant Mm -hmm. because either they're video packages that aren't particularly interesting, that don't kind of, uh, that don't get you any more hyped or they're ones that there's a couple of cases, uh, I think on this show, they're definitely were on Thunder where you're getting a second video package for the same thing later that conveys no new information whatsoever. Mm. The, the purposes for me anyway, for the wrestling video package, there's two goals. Recap the feud for people that might have missed something. Um, and perhaps as part of that, you can emphasize the things like these are the things you will need to pay attention to yeah. paying out in the match. The, these are the points we want to get over out of this feud. And then number two, to make you want to buy the pay-per-view to see the mm-hmm. match or make you very excited if you're the live crowd to see a match when they play it in the arena. Um, I don't think, in my estimation, I have seen, not lately anyway, WCW do anything like that. No. Um, We praised very much a couple of hype packages in their day, I think particularly of the one that's just 60 seconds of Goldberg spearing and jackhammering people. Yeah, the first, first time we saw that was great. Yeah, and that's one you can repeat a good bit, but now we're at the stage where it feels like production are just doing video packages because the way the kind of normative behavior in American wrestling at this point is this is at the point on the show where we have to show the video package, so here's a video package. But like we pointed out on Thunder, the, the DDP Kevin Nash video package isn't so much a video package as it is, here's some still shots. You're not and really. Th- th- there's nothing you're getting out of a feud per se. I have no, like, and I don't need. I don't want to sound like the most annoying people on Twitter this last couple of months. But I don't need a video package to explain everything. No, 
But if you've already made the decision that you're going to do a video package, do a give puzzle. me something. Yeah. Give me hype or give me information or give me a reason I'm supposed to care. Do you know what recent video packages I've really liked? What? The Will Hobbs ones. The Will Hobbs ones are really, really good. Yeah. Um, And again, AEW are a perfect example of like sometimes they go really in on really mm-hmm. good video packages and then sometimes they just absolutely whiff. Tell you nothing. Yeah. 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 Um. So like no no one is 100% on. Like even WWE who like if you're going to put your, your top five you know, wrestling video packages of all time. They're occupying three of the slots, probably handling. Yeah. Um, even they, like, when was the last time you remember one of those that like proper gave you like chills or anything like that? Brian's monster one. That's probably the most famous recent one. But even yeah. then, I don't think it breaks my top three. Yeah, I loved. I remember the year before that. I loved. Um, the punk rock one one the the champion video package that was yes. like basically a really cool recap of like the 434 rain and about mm-hmm. how are you fuck coming in here and taking this belt off me you prick mm-hmm. um yeah I, I love that but yeah um i feel the kind of like this might be our new bit after we kind of like we harped we've harped on the the art of the opener enough and I feel like the next thing will be like the the art of the video package. <laughs> yeah, the employers to make some good video packages. Neither mm. of us can video edit, but we'll try. Really, no, no. Um. So yeah, we get as you said, Lee. We get a video package from the end of Thunder to open the show before the lads run down the card. Um. We kind of talk about this every month, but um, I I am still a big fan of like going. You know, you better. Stay tuned because look at this card we have for you. Because I think I totally understand the argument which a lot of people make, and I can't remember if this is one you've made before, where it's like, why do we need to know about the card? We already have the pay per view. Mm. But there's part of me that like likes the idea of this quick endorphin release. That it's it's almost like them telling you, well done on your decision to buy this pay per view because for that money you just spent, and you might still be feeling a bit uneasy about. Listen to what the fuck you're getting tonight, mate. What I'd ideally do is show opens, music hits, first match, hot opener, as a come down, then you do a rundown. I think TNA used to do that a lot. That was the TNA methods. Yeah. They they do the first match and then they'd have TNA and West run down the rest of the show. Yeah. While everyone came down a bit and then bring them back up for match number two. Mm-hmm. That that I think is the best way of doing things on a pay per view. Yeah. Yeah. And I think um, you know friend of the show um garish kidney would definitely agree with you on that about um Actually, what 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 do we do in this situation now we're we're two friends of our show are uh, both feuding with each other now i don't know it's it's tough it's awkward it's, it's but awkward, you know I, as always i trust uh garish to make the white choice i mean sorry i mean the right choice um <laughs> So Brain uh, makes a great point about uh, Flair versus Piper tonight, which I really love. Where like uh, Brain is complete, you're gone. <laughs> you're... <laughs> oh God! Let's just say every year is a white Christmas for Gareth. <laughs> no, 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 no. 
Garrett's not too bad. He's all right. I mean, all right. Um. So yeah, it, so uh, yeah, I like. I like... <laughs> you're trying to push through. I like Tina's you're point like, about, about them both being fucking nuts. Yeah, this is like. <laughs> There's a couple of moments tonight where Heenan properly. Either, ent- I, think, I think he just goes either way we lose. Yeah, he properly <laughs> enters audience surrogate for like people who are totally sick of, like Jesus, the, like this has taken the handoff from the, the NWO versus WCW thing as like consistent WCW bookers and agents think that the most fascinating thing to fans is who controls WCW. Mm which is very funny to me because like you look over across the fence and with the exception of like the bit where Austin is CEO, like that's not the most compelling thing in the hottest company in the world. It isn't like who owns the WWF. It's never in doubt. Vince owns the WWF. It's, you know, it's the whole big baby face rebelling against authority and who's the champion. They're putting the important stuff where, where, it should be like, do you feel that even though it wasn't actually in position as the main event, just from the entire build to this pay-per-view and the way they talk about it across the pay-per-view, did it come off to you like it did to me that Flair versus Piper is being communicated to you as no, it's, that's the main event. That's what we think the most important thing is. I, I think they, they put it across as the most important thing. I think DDP is very much suffering from that. Um, the, I suppose you'd call it the CM Punk thing of, yeah, he's world champion, but that they don't believe in him. He, he's little, he's over there. The world, here's the real stars. And they they that, hobbled him straight away by turning taking title, and taking the title off him again. Yes, and then putting it back on him. But um, yeah, no, I agree with you because Flair and Piper is like built up as the main event in mm-hmm. in a sense of this is the most important match on the show. But also Goldberg and Sting is like, well, who's the fucking star in this company? Yeah. Yeah. The, yeah. The, like I would say in terms of like level of prestige, the world title is third. Easily. Which, which is really funny because like the Booker is in the world title match. Mm-hmm. You know. Uh, and not like, Booker T who we wanted in the world yes, title match. Yes, indeed. God, if only the that Booker was in the world title match. How would we be saved? Who's to say? Um. Gotta say, uh, Tony Schiavone, he's gone leather jacket casual tonight. Mm. So, like, I think maybe we can move the Tony giving up on WCW counter up to about a four to five out of ten, maybe. Yeah, he, he's, he's reaching that halfway point. Yeah, yeah, he's getting there. It's starting to, he's starting to cook now. Starting mm. to cook. Um, Gene is on the ramp uh, to plug the hotline. And I've re- there's a line in here that just got me because not because he was trying to, but because like just how much this guy wanted your fucking money, like to quote uh, Sir Bobby Gandalf himself. Um, he has this line about how now look, kids, you need to ask your parents permission to use the hotline and then immediately qualifies it. But we do want you to ring the hotline. <laughs> So, like, it re- to me, more so than ever, and he's fairly transparent about this uh, on the shows, like, it's not, he's not that subtle. No. It definitely comes across as, look, I have to say, ask your parents, but Uncle Gino's not going to be mad if you don't. <laughs> Who in 1999 is trusting me and Gene? 
No one. No one. Mr. Peanut looking motherfucker. Like, <laughs> how much do you uh, reckon? Like, is it like the the Corey hotline or the uh, you know, the American foot? The is it Smooth Jimmy's? Uh, what the, the sin sin not e yeah. Um, yeah, if anybody, if anybody has any recordings or any experience with the WCW hotline, I'd love if you could tweet us at WCW Thunderpod. I'd love to, like, even just if you grew up in America at the time of the 900 numbers, um, it's such a fascinating era to me because I think we mentioned it before on the show where they were all the rage in America, which means they were mentioned constantly on TV shows you and I mm-hmm. watched growing up, but they were never really a thing. They weren't here. a thing here, no. Yeah, like the, the closest you got to them were the, the ones that were in every country in the world, which is like, you know, hot singles in your yeah, area. Called, called hot girls, yeah. Yeah, yeah. priest chat, uh, <laughs> as the Father Ted skit went. Um, yeah, it's just a fascinating, fascinating concept to me. Um, right, next up. World Tag Team Title Triangle Match. Kidman and Ray, the champions, Versus Parents Saturn and Raven versus Crispin Juan, Dean Malenko with Aaron Anderson in their corner. And I was like, I, I didn't know if I was enthused or worried by the fact that the best on paper match on this show was the opener. Mm-hmm. Yay, because we love hot openers on this podcast. But boo, because at least in terms of in-ring quality, it is all very likely downhill from here. Yeah, I, I was stunned to see the match open the show, hmm. but I um, I think it's the best built story of everything on the show. Yeah, and like coincidentally, a, it involves Raven again. Yeah, it's fucking funny that, isn't it? Yeah. Um, like this, this is a feud that's been going on for what nearly three months now between the yeah. Horsemen hmm. and Raven alone. Yeah. Then you add in the added pieces of Saturn, then Ray and the Kidman, and and like they're they're kind of semi doing that right can Ray and Kidman coexists thing. Yeah. But I just want to talk about how like the first team out are the horsemen. Mm. And they're just making their entrance. And I'm just looking at them like there's no pomp and circumstance to the horsemen. Yeah. The horseman music plays and Aaron Anderson leads them to the ring. Yeah. And that's what it is. And my God, I was just looking at it going. What a fucking trio of badass. Just, just no messing, as we'd say in Ireland. Yeah. No messing, just serious boys looking for a fight. Like, they just, that's what a pro wrestling tag team is. Yeah, just, just razzlers. Do you know what, like, speaking of guys about this level on the card, something that was pointed out to me, you know, we talked about the end of Mike Enos on the last show. Mm. Um, It would be remiss of me not to point out that officially in the timeline, we will have no more Chris Jericho. Ah. His match a couple, uh, his match a little while ago in the, I think it was the, the, US, the US title tournament, tournament on yeah. Thunder. That was his last match we'll ever see. He's on the house show loop for the next couple of months and, or the next maybe six weeks and then he's gone. Um, So That's there right. might be a, there might be a, I don't think we'd do a full jump over to Raw for it, but I think the week he debuts, we should watch, watch his, segments. his segment, yeah. which is like an all timer debut. Mm-hmm. Um, and you want to talk again like about a guy who like will save most of the chat for the time but 
if there was ever any doubt in your mind that that guy was more over than WCW were letting him, listen to that reaction when he shows up and interrupts the rock of all people. Mm-hmm. People fucking lost it. But anyway. Trust, trust me, it wasn't a surprise that it was Jericho. Oh, no, I knew. Yeah, no, look, I even in my kind of like I was I wasn't online at that stage, but I was reading wrestling magazines. It's like even I knew Jericho was coming mm-hmm. over like because I, I think I'm watching by this point. So I think I saw the very, very end of Jericho in in WCW at the time. And so when he pops up, he would be like the first big defection that you saw. Yeah, that that I saw when I was when I had started watching both. I'd seen defections like I'd seen people leave from WWF when that's all I was watching. But this was the first time I, I noted a big defection uh, in, in my fandom. Um, but anyway, yeah, this was just like this is such a great combination of just fucking wrestlers. Do you know what I mean? Like you have a great high flying tag team in Kidman and Ray. You've got the like you said, the absolute classic professional wrestler badasses that are the, the horsemen. And then you've just got these all rounders of a guy who's been holding the story together in Raven and just a fucking just kick ass all impact pro wrestler like Perry Saturn. And that's not to say that Raven can't wrestle. Like, do you know what I mean? This is before his body starts to break down. Like man can still go with the right guy. It's obviously not the his wrestling isn't the most appealing thing about his act, but it's not bad by any stretch. No, it's just bad. outshone by his charisma and his mm-hmm. like his his psychology and things like that. Um, we should also say we have now officially reached the Dungaree Ramsdale era. Yeah, evaluate the 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 Dungaree the Dungarees for me. <laughs> the Dungarees. Dungaree uh, Mysterio Jr. I, I think they're pretty basic, just denim dungarees. Mm-hmm. I don't think they're an, any way spectacular. Yeah. But it does not bode well for the future of Rey Mysterio on Days of Thunder. No. Um, the the dungarees were a harbinger, and mm-hmm. they were really... The dungarees were a real moment, weren't they, in time? Yeah, they um, came back there a couple of years ago as well. Yeah. I feel like they're they're still like a a kind of like mom thing, like moms, uh, like and and like really small kids. I like I will kids. say they're they're definitely a thing for small children. Yes, like up until the age of like three, yes. I want to say mm-hmm. it's still a thing because I know Jen fucking adores buying or did buy Connor a lot. Of, dungarees and has yeah. definitely bought dungarees for grace yeah i mean in terms of like a good outfit with a bit of like practicality for like the kids Child. being able to just like get the button and mm-hmm. like pop the button and change them and stuff like that i completely get why those are still quite popular but yeah as a as a, a thing for an actual adult to wear and i think you maybe hit on a point there when you were talking about kids is that like if you're looking to take ray mysterio seriously as a, like a grown-up serious wrestler infantilizing him with dungarees. dungarees is probably not the move. Like, I'm not mm-hmm. saying you need to put him in a fucking suit. Um, but I mean, to be fair, like there's, I mean, there's no, cre- you can, you can never get past when you talk about the Ray Mysterio aesthetic, you can never get past like the dumbest decision in the history of the earth is to take that mask off him mm-hmm. and not like 
fucking push the guy to the moon and uh, manufacture thousands of those things to sell to kids like yeah. would be done four years after this in WWE. Let, let's not forget WCW was the PG company. Yeah. Um, I it was funny because I was wondering would this be a match that like just starts off with Matt wrestling or would it like you know start off quick or anything like that? Um, but we got our answer really quickly in when uh, Perry Saturn just grabs Kidman, German suplexes him over the top rope outside the ring. <laughs> uh, yeah, but, uh, yeah, Saturn's not one for starting slow. We nearly kills a man within ninety seconds. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you think about the rules of this match? Where it's Hate it. <laughs> yeah, it's so it's constantly it's for people who don't like the psychology of three way dances. They found a way to make it worse where it's always got to be a three way and you can only tag your own partner in. Um, Now, I can't say I'm particularly wild about the other version, you know, where it's two men and you, you can, can tag, tag in anybody. Part. Yeah. Because I think there's only been very exceptional circumstances where I've enjoyed the story of those matches, you know, where you have an individual moment where a babyface is really struggling, might have to lose, and their only solution is to tag in their bitter enemy. Um, I, I, I think if, if there's any more than two teams in a match, it should just be Tornado style. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. Um, because, the, yeah, those... Both those solutions we we've talked about, apart from the tornado one, are kind of inferior. Like you might as well like because again, it's only a matter of time in this match before it breaks down and essentially becomes a tornado. It becomes match. tornado, yeah, yeah. Um, and that's the kind of like that is the peak of, or we're starting to enter the peak of that just becoming every tag team match in North American professional wrestling for a time immemorial since is that inevitably the first phase of a tag match is just killing time until it all breaks yeah, down until it breaks down yeah every single tag match forever um but anyway um kidman gets back in the ring but he gets a a, a drop kick into a german suplex combo from the horse lads that was pretty good mm-hmm. um this match kind of proved for me and my note-taking abilities there was too much going on to be able to do like a proper play-by-play so I've kind of just picked and chosen a couple of little bits there's always at least two things happening at once once this breaks down um there's like and I think maybe in terms of putting the match together the wisest thing to do is what the entire middle stretch of this match is which is the horsemen in the ring controlling the ring yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. as guys come in and out and chaos reigns outside the ring um, and the referee just like fucking throwing his hands up. He's completely lost control of this within a couple of minutes. Um, they get heat on Saturn. Uh, this is where I was kind of having my reflection on that the dungarees never really worked for me. <laughs> um, towards the end, and it looks like Saturn is signaling to finish Malenko. Uh, Aaron comes in. We haven't had one of these in a while. He hits the spine buster on Saturn. Um, Kidman is up top on uh, uh, getting ready to do the shooting star press when would you believe it, Lee? A large man appears. Mm-hmm. Haven't had one of those in a little while. A mystery uh, large man appears. Yes. Who could it possibly be? Uh, knocks him down. Even flow. Raven and Saturn win. Even flow off the top rope. Yes. Lovely. Like, like, like it was that kind of like you know the Randy Orton DDT type thing. Mm-hmm. With the legs draped on the top, the drape of DDT, yeah. yeah. Um, um, the mystery man then unmasks Canyon. Um, I was then 
And this is not the first time I have wondered about why Chris Canyon went under a mask <laughs> when he was trying to go in disguise when no one knew what he looked like was a peak era of him. But this was like, why was he in a mask here? And I asked this for two reasons. One, because he instantly no one, takes off the mask. Well, yeah, one, no one saw him anyway mm-hmm. come in and do it. Um, and it wouldn't have mattered who he was in terms of like disqualifications or anything like that. Um, and yet, number two, he immediately took off the mask. Yeah, there was no mystery to it. No. And it's not like he needed it to sneak into the building. I'm pretty sure people would be more suspicious of a man in a mask running into the building than employee of World Championship Wrestling Chris Canyon coming in. Um, There's a okay. couple of moments like this on the match where, or on the, sorry, on the pay-per-view where I think Nash or Bischoff or some combination of the people backstage didn't think about the logic behind something. They just mm-hmm. thought it would be a cool visual. Yeah, They'd yeah. like the idea of someone taking off a mask and people reacting. Yeah. Um, while we're, we're talking about Canyon for this brief moment, what did you think of Brian Cage's Mortis-inspired gear at the ROH pay-per-view? Look, I can very much take or leave and i'm heavily heavily emphasizing leave brian cage in the year of our lord 2022 but i know he was tight with canyon him and mm-hmm. the books were um I, I thought it was great yeah i thought it was really good gear and um the the canyon dark side of the ring episode really opened my eyes to how influential that guy was and how much he helped a lot of the the Cali guys from this generation mm-hmm. kind of get a leg up in wrestling. Um a guy who I think um he will never get the due appreciation he deserves. And even though it's only like a you know it's a like it's a worked thing, it's not really that important. I think he's a guy who should go in the Hall of Fame. Joe so kind of like in the way that Page went in for his contribution to helping like wrestlers who had like lost their way health wise, drugs wise and stuff like that. I think as a guy who, whether people realize it or not, is probably one of the more influential wrestlers on what 2000s American wrestling became. Mm-hmm. I, I There's some high level to which he deserves recognition that I don't think he will ever actually get, unfortunately. Yeah, I think I think that's definitely something there that that people should consider. Mm. Um, even if it's just like an honorary thing, and like I don't know if they've honored him at the Cauliflower Alley Club or anything like that before, but um, just a guy I think people need to mark his impact on wrestling more than than has been done. Mm-hmm. Uh, we then get a DDP video package. Woo. Then we have one of the most unique things in nature that I will talk about during this next match. This is Conan versus Stevie Ray with Horace and Vincent on the outside. I I simply immediately wrote, good God. What a combination of humans. Um, The match starts off with the lowest high knees I've ever seen from a man (laughs) by one Stephen Raymond here. Um. And then something happened, Lee. Something that has never happened in the history of this podcast. Are you ready for this? Okay. I fell asleep typing 
That's how boring this match was. <laughs> uh, Aaron's now, not going to like this. Now, I could be mistaken. I have a head like a sieve sometimes. I have a head like a sieve for useful information. I retain all sorts of useless information. I have definitely like gone, I'm getting sleepy. I'm going to put down the laptop and kind of watch and, you know, maybe occasionally jot things down and I've ended up falling asleep that way. Mm. I have never had, and it's probably, it's less to do with this actual, like it, this match wasn't good, but it's maybe the come down from the opener, like the, dropping three gears in one match kind of situation. That and, and the, the lads in the first match were only in third gear. Yeah. And I was if that's charitable. <laughs> um and I was watching it late at night, but I have never like I literally woke up, I think I woke up halfway through the Bam Bam Brian Nobbs match with my hands still on the keys. You know, um it's never happened to me before. And it was one of those where I didn't realize I'd fallen asleep. Like I opened my eyes and I was just like, did the thing, it felt to me like it just like glitched and we were on another match. And I was like, oh Jesus, no, like half an hour has passed. <laughs> Fucking hell. You were resting your eyes, Dave. Resting but I went eyes. back, I went back the following day. Um, I, cause I kept going with the pay-per-view. I, I went to the, the start of the Bigelow knobs match and kept going from there. But the following day I looped back to catch this match. I had initially thought if it's that boring, I might leave it to Lee to recap this, but I couldn't do that to you, pal, your old friend. <laughs> um, Conan in this match hits. Awful. He's awful. Yes. But he hits the single worst float over DDT in the history of professional wrestling. I believe it was a float over Bulldog, Dave, because he couldn't get fully around for a yes. DDT. You know, it was definitely supposed to be a DDT. Yes. And just think about the physics involved in turning a float over DDT into a Bulldog. Um, that's how bad this situation was. Um, this match was two bad wrestlers. Two bad, awkward wrestlers as well. Yes. They're not like just bad, bad. They're bad and awkward that were paired together. Yeah. Had no idea what they wanted to do. Yeah. Had bad ideas. Yeah. And as a result, had a really bad match. Yeah. Um, Conan, in his promo before this match, by the way, told Vincent that he was going to toss his salad. Um, But because of the angle he was standing, Vincent was standing at outside the ring, Poor Scott Dickinson thought that Conan was talking to him because he says, "I'm, you're going to toss my salad or oh, no, I'm going to toss your salad. And Scott Dickinson, like just his eyes just bulge for a second. Like, what? Um, and then he said, I think he was like, he, he said, salad dressings or something, was it? He said that uh, Conan or not Conan, sorry. He said that Stevie was going to peel his potatoes. Like I can follow the metaphor of what tosses salad means, but like peel your potatoes. That's I've lo- you've lost me. Sorry, like is he he's he's gonna shave your balls? Is that what he's gonna do? It's like it's an odd forfeit for the match. I thought too much about this. It's fair to say <laughs> you you really have. Um, the match ends after Ray comes out, um, takes out the B team and hits a seated senton uh, off the top on Stevie as Conan is rolling him up. Um, it was Ray looked good for the couple of seconds he was in, but even like. 
the Conan part of that finish where he's doing the roll up is the most like awkward, like he was trying to shoot roll him up. Yeah. Um, ever. It's a bad match, man. No, well, Sor- that, sorry, Aaron. Yeah, like that. genuinely, it might be the worst match we've seen on a pay per view. Um, it's up there. Um, and it it worse not in terms of star ratings for me, but worse in terms of like there's nothing interesting I have to say about it. It just bored me. It wasn't so exceptionally bad that I can sit here and go, "This was abysmal." This was abysmal. It was just like there was several bad spots, and then nothing of any interest whatsoever for the rest of the match. It's just the fact that in the middle of 1999, we're still going ahead with the B team. Mm. Yeah, like, what is the NWO now? And, like, the B team is, like, running way further into 99 than I remember, which makes it really funny. Like, there's a couple of things. This is very reminiscent of another angle in this show where, like, by the time the B team goes away and they do WCW, or, no, sorry, NWO 2000, it's like, NWO hasn't been long uh, gone it, long enough for I, anyone to miss them. I was just going to say that it makes you realize that the NWO, NWO genuinely never really goes away. No. No, much like herpes in that way. Um, Kevin Nash video package. And we get Rick Steiner in the internet location. Now, I'll tell you what, if you could have hit the red button and switched commentary track to Rick Steiner in the internet location, I would listen to him for another 40 minutes. I'd rather listen to him than fucking watch him wrestle. He's trying to unveil this Pepe Silvia conspiracy theory that Booker and Stevie, the brothers, are in cahoots foreshadowing um and the man who isn't mark madden at the booth says to him but those brothers they're estranged to which rick replies in my favorite line of the whole show dave who (laughs) which is very much a callback to um the version of him we have seen on rehash of the champions Mm -hmm. where he's playing an idiot. An idiot, yeah. Um, good lord. Good lord. Awful. Um, hardcore match, Bam Bam versus Brian Nobbs. Two things this match had going against well, it. Well, well, you, you, you missed the uh, Bam Bam and DDP exchange backstage. Yes, there was a non-miked exchange between the two boys. Um, again, foreshadowing. Mm-hmm. I was disappointed that like this also in this video package, Page had his belt on backwards as he so often does. And then when he came out for the match, he didn't. Um, well, he'd obviously turned it around. Well, obviously, yeah. Or he had turned around so fast. Um, Actually, we, we you also forgot to mention that Canyon was wearing a DDP shirt. Yes, he was. Mm. Seeds are being planted, my friend. Mm-hmm. Exciting seeds, I will say. Well, I mean, they are from the Garden State. Yeah, so. I love those lads. Um, so we get the hardcore match by my Bigelow versus Brian Nobbs. Like I said, there's two things going against it. One is Brian Nobbs, and two is that if you wanted to get people hyped for Brian this, Brian Nobbs match, has also taken. Oh, is that sorry? I said Brian Nobbs has also taken Bam Bam's gimmick of not having any entrance music. This is the other thing I was saying that works really badly against them is that this mm-hmm. was if you wanted to get people you know, 90s crowd hyped up. It's entrances and finishers. And you have two men with no music. Just doesn't work. No, does not work. Um, We praised recently enough, Lee, a um, 
a hardcore kind of like garbage brawl on this show as being like a really good quality idea for an opener. Mm. This was not that. No, it wasn't. This was bad. I mean, very early, like this just becomes a mess. And I want to say it's 95% on, on Brian Knobs. Yeah. The man has no right being on television. Yeah. I've, and again, like I know a little bit of it is going to be of the era. And the last time we had Knobs and Sags around WCW, this was a discussion point you and I had. The fact that I, I don't think I'll ever appreciate them the way fans did when they were at their most popular because I am several years after that. So I've only evaluated them without the nostalgia and mm-hmm. they're terrible. Yeah. Now, look, I, I, I can enjoy the Nasty Boys as a theme. They had some very good matches. I, I, nineteen ninety nine Brian Nobbs. I just cannot like. It's now been what two matches we've seen. Mm-hmm. He was by far the worst part of the four way match we saw. Yeah, on Nitro, but that was Nitro, wasn't it? I think it was Nitro. I think so. He he was far and away the worst part of that match. Yeah, and here he, he like it's not even like. You know when, when you know when something comes across as dangerous, yeah, and it and it's like good dangerous, mm-hmm. like fun, enjoyable dangerous. Like the one thing that we always talk about was like the Sasha and Charla. Like it's just yeah. they're reckless, but they're also like just it's fun and enjoyable, and you can get into it. Yeah, Brian Knobs is just dangerous, and it's worrying and reckless, and you're just you get the impression this man has no control over anything he's doing and not in a and like no respect for Bam Bam in this case like he's not do you know like Brett always used to harp on it about like you protect the guy you're in there with mm-hmm. because it's a show of respect for him and for the business and you gotta acknowledge that when you're in there wrestling a one on one another man is quite literally putting his life in your hands Um, but, like there's one Stage, bam, bam, clotheslines, knobs over the top rope. Yeah. Uh, no, sorry, is it, I don't think it's a clothesline. I think it's knobs like runs at him with a chair, and bam, bam, low bridges him or something like that. Yeah. And knobs just releases the chair and almost brains somebody in the front yeah. row. And and there's a couple of times with plunder in this match where he like he fully lets go of the item before it hits bam, bam. So what ends up happening is. He just fucking beans Bam Bam about half a dozen times with weapons in this in a really kind of like, obviously, we didn't know what we know now about CT and things Mm -hmm. like that. But you can't have thought that these things were going to be a pleasant experience for Bam Bam. And they don't look. It's not like any of those weapon shots looked so good where you're just like, right, you know, I'll try and take my concerned hat off for a moment and appreciate that it was a cool spot. They weren't even. It just came off like a lazy motherfucker just like hoofing whatever wasn't nailed down in a really disorganized and uninteresting way. You know what it comes across as? Well, this is a man that in 1999 recognized he could no longer work. So I'm just going to do hardcore shit. Yeah. Um, 
And the worst thing about it, I'm as I think about it, is you better brace yourself, Lee, for a whole lot more Brian Nobbs. No, he's not going away. Yeah, no, he's not. Like for anybody who's seen the episode, I can in my mind's eye see him on the infamous reset Nitro with Russo and Bischoff, hilariously in the ring amongst the new blood. Um, so yeah, he, he ain't going nowhere, guys. I guess all we can do as uh Thunder Buddies is hope that at least for a while he's nestled away on Nitro, uh, where his buddy Hulk will be more often than on Thunder when he comes back. Hello, my friends. Has that holiday rush got you neglecting meals? Well, look no further than ho ho hello fresh. This Christmas season, with HelloFresh, you get farm-fresh, pre-portioned ingredients and seasonal recipes delivered right to your doorstep. Skip trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. That's why it's America's number one meal kit. It's the most festive time of year, and HelloFresh is here to make the most out of every moment. From holiday hosting to dinners during busy weeknights, you can count on HelloFresh to deliver fresh ingredients and seasonal recipes. Tis the season for saving money wherever we can. HelloFresh is cheaper than grocery shopping and 25% less expensive than takeout, so you can use those savings for holiday gifts or to treat yourself. HelloFresh is a treat in itself, am I right? To avail of the offer being made to Days of Thunder listeners, please go to HelloFresh.com slash VOW18 and use the code VOW18 for 18 free meals plus free shipping. That's HelloFresh.com slash VOW18. Use code VOW18 at checkout. It's HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit. There's a flip bump into a laundry basket from both of them that I kind of appreciate. They tried to fuck up the laundry basket. That was something a little bit different I haven't seen them do before. Mm. Um, Bam Bam gets whipped into WCW.com They fight at the merch table Uh, One thing It it was nice of them to pull down the uh, The curtain So we could see all all of the arena That's harped off That is exactly what my next point is Is like this was not thought through Because it totally exposes WCW uh, for having a whole bunch of empty seats in this arena, mm-hmm. definitely more than they needed for a backstage area. Um, then we have, I think, what is the most embarrassing? This guy is completely washed moment and wouldn't have a job if it wasn't for his buddy. Uh, when Nobbs tries to do the elbow off the barricade, oh, like just, it's so bad. Like this, this, like somebody that is. That bad should not have been working for one of the top two companies in America at yeah. this point. Like, so, can you imagine somebody at that level being put on WWE television in 2022? Brian Nobbs both manages to hit and miss the elbow because the mm-hmm. spot is supposed to be because it leads directly to Bam Bam um, winning, right? The spot is supposed to be he misses the elbow, Bam Bam recovers. So he's trying to miss the elbow. And yes, Bam Bam is a big guy, but he's not as big as the entire floor of the arena. And yet somehow the one spot of the floor he picks to go to is the one that Bam Bam is clearly already rolling towards out of the way of the elbow. Like you're always, when you do the elbow, you're supposed to drop short so that the other guy rolls away from you. 
Yeah, it's he, basic like, shit. He, he, he was supposed to do the elbow through the table. Yeah. Like he was supposed to like do an elbow drop and put himself through a table. Yeah. And he like amazingly overshot yeah. the table. He amazingly missed the thing he was supposed to hit and hit the thing he was supposed to miss. What a fucking idiot. And Bam Bam just gets up, suplexes him through the table. Yeah. Is definitely not the, the actual finish. Um to which I gave it my uh my trademark Dave rating of piss. Uh. <laughs> Next up we got a world television title match. It's Booker T defending against Rick Steiner. Um Booker T looking like a million dollars, but he dramatically overdid the baby oil tonight. He was <laughs> wet. <laughs> listening he sure was rippling <laughs> he was coming out here it's one of them moments where you can hear somebody move yeah absolutely that, that slushing sound yeah um, sloshing about the ring we have to talk about nick patrick oh my god i didn't even recognize it was him at one point i wrote here's what i wrote uh, a few lines down from here i wrote get a load of porn ref yeah. and then with it, like before I even got to the end of the sentence describing his thick mustache and rat tail, I was like, "Oh my god, that's Nick Patrick!" So he's got the the porn hashes like full on. Yeah, as you say, he has the rat tail. Like he has the elastic band ponytail. Yeah, going on because the hair is just out of control at this point. There's some fucking shit going on with these referees' choices of hair in this company, man. And like how. Oh, like it's John Travolta esque how open the collar is yeah. on this man's shirt. Yeah. Like I saw way too much of Nick Patrick's navel. Fucking it. Like an absolute disgrace. <laughs> he looked like absolute like... shit. There's no way I know it was a different time. I know it was 1999. And I know wrestling is usually in terms of fashion several years behind the rest of the world. You're not, there's not a chance you're convincing me that this was a good look for someone to have in 1999. Like, what, what the referee is parking harder than anybody else in that company. I don't know. Nick Patrick by himself maybe was. No, but um, like, isn't, isn't there another ref that's like... Oh, just... there's a couple of them. I think Randy Anderson still has the big porn tash. Mm. Um, there's definitely a third referee. Oh, I, I know who it is. It's uh, Johnny Boone. Johnny Boone, yeah. With the earrings. Yeah, Johnny Boone has the earrings. We have uh, Mickey J is refusing to give up on the hairline that gave up on him 10 years ago. Um. There's just a lot and of choices. Yeah, little Nate is little Nate. Uh, there's a lot going on in the referee core in WCW at this stage. I mean, the coke must have been good in that. Yeah. But again, something I've harped on before. How amazing is it compared to now that like we can literally list you the top five or six referees in WCW without mm-hmm. even having to think about it very much? Whereas, like, gun to my head, I couldn't name one WWE referee. <laughs> Um, right now like at the time absolutely I knew all of them by name uh, through like the mid 2000s and then what's what's the the female referee in WWE Jessica Jessica Carr that's the one yeah see if you hadn't given me Jessica I wouldn't have gotten the the car the the car bar okay so yeah there we go we worked together we got one yeah (laughs) yeah everybody gets one um I thought this had an outside shot of being like a good little scrap because like if it was it was we have his Booker T doing his high impact spots and uh Rick just like roughing him up, that would have been good. But no, it it just 
they to say they didn't gel is putting it mildly and it was I let's put it this the way the crowd were not into this at all no they, they didn't and this is something i talked about before where like there's been a couple of moments where the crowd kind of got behind rick steiner and there was a chance to do something more with him but i think at this point they are just conditioned to think of him as the lesser steiner i don't think there was ever a moment in here where um it, I, ironically enough i don't think anyone thought this match was going to go the way it did no <laughs> which and, I mean, and not in a good way like again it's one of those where it was a surprise finish but it wasn't one people liked yeah no like you i feel like these two just have like negative chemistry yeah and i I'd, I'd, I'd actually have to go back and watch the harlem heat steiner brothers matches just to see like have they always been this bad yeah because I mean, this this was pretty fucking bad. Like they just seem to be working off totally different pages. Yeah, and you can't even you can't even explain the whole thing away by saying like Rick's shot at this point. Um, like no, it was more like, than that. It was yeah, exactly. If it was just Rick being like below par, you'd say well, he just obviously can't go anymore. But it's yeah. not that. Like, and again, Rick is still at the point of physical condition where he has a use in those like was that a shoot type scraps. Mm. You don't put him in there with like a booker, you know. No. Um, and and, and uh, I agree with you. It does like very much feel like Rick has been positioned and he's not going to reach above a certain point. Whereas Booker already feels well beyond Rick Steiner. And I, I like uh, if I was watching this in 99 at the time, I would worry that they had missed the boat on Booker. Yeah. And to an extent, they do like they they do put the belt on him next year and people do like him. But I think you could have made that guy an exponentially bigger star by trying to ride that like organic support he was getting. Do you know what I think? I think the crowd that were into Booker had already left by mid 2000s. Yeah, and I think the ones who remained were probably into it as a kind of, oh, look, finally our guy is getting his due. It was like, yeah, almost like they were as vocal as they could be about it, but there just wasn't enough of them there to get. And and by that point as well, it's like we're happy he won it, but we we know not to get invested in anyone mm-hmm. with this belt because they're hot shotting this thing around every five minutes. Um but yeah, it's a, it's an awkward match. Um Booker's mostly controlling things. Um Nick threatens to DQ Steiner for kicking too much ass, which you know everybody hates. Uh I do like there was a chin lock spot I enjoyed where Booker like does the slow, try to fight out of it, gets put back down and then fights out of it again. Um mm. Spinner Rooney and then a spine buster, which once again, Tony, like Tony calls the spine buster he hits a sidewalk slam every time, every <laughs> fucking time. And it, it like it's really starting to annoy me now. Does he not call it the uh, 110 truth slam? No, he calls it a sidewalk slam this time. Ah, uh, okay. I could have sworn I heard 100 and then slam. Yeah, no, he calls it a sidewalk I, slam because I, I, I took exception to it. What I will say is I enjoyed the closing minute and a half of this match. Yeah. Um, I love that they played they played into everybody's fears. Mm-hmm. So Booker goes through his finishing sequence, like you say, axe kick, spinneroonie, uh, 110 street slam, missile drop kick, and Scott Steiner comes out. Yeah. And breaks up the pin. Well, not breaks up the pin, but 
him being there kind of distracts Booker. Yeah. Um. So then we get Rick hitting the Steiner line for a near fall, which everyone was convinced was going to be the finish. Yeah. Like the distraction finish. Um. So then Booker hits a sidekick, which everyone was like, oh, fuck, that's the finish. Yeah. He's just going to win and we're going to go back to Booker versus Scott. Mm-hmm. Except no, kick out. Um, Booker hits the ropes to go for, I assume, another sidekick or axe kick. And Scott trips him up. Um, and we get the Steiner Bulldog, and it's over. Yeah, new TV champion, um, Rick Steiner. I'd say we're a little Your bit thankful. Television. That I'd be very thankful that Booker doesn't have that martial arts title anymore. Um, do you know what's really funny about this is that I'm just like, now they accelerate this later on in the show, but at this point, it very much looks like the Steiner brothers and... Harlem Heat are both doing the same storyline at the same time. Mm-hmm. Like one babyface no. brother and one heel who's in the NWO coming in and interfering in his matches unprompted. Now, I don't hate the way this goes. I'll talk about it more when we get yeah. to the later match. We'll, we'll come back to that point. Yeah. 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 Um, we get a Robinson Gorgeous George video. Then we get Rick running around backstage screaming, Scotty! Which, in the context of what happens later, makes no sense because it seems like he's going to like hunt him down. But then, mm-hmm. anyway, we'll get to it. I later. did like, like he, he, he's screaming for Scotty, he runs into Buff and wishes Buff luck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, I, I did like that a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, singles match up next it's Gorgeous George with Medusa, Miss Madness, and Randy Savage versus Charles Robinson with Ric Flair. I'm excited. Now, I think we both intimated this on the Discord. If you're not on the Discord, join the Voices of Wrestling Discord. I think it's voicesofwrestling.com slash Discord. We have a channel on there. We try to be a bit more active in there than we are on Twitter, giving our takes as we're watching the shows or, you know, talking with listeners and, and things like that. But we had both intimated in there that this is the match that, like, go on record, listen back to all our podcasts about Nitro and Thunder, since this match was announced, we have been dreading this match. And I've mm-hmm. never actually watched this whole match. I knew it was a match that happened. I don't think I've ever watched this whole match bell to bell. Um, because when I've gone back to WCW, I either go to like the great stuff, like when I'm just picking and choosing, or I used to go back to the like the Russo era bad stuff to make other people watch it. So we were both really like, and even during the entrances, I'm like, oh, holy fuck, holy fuck, holy fuck. I didn't hate this. I like, I don't know if it's, if it sounds insane to say this over delivered because that makes it sound like it was good. But given the people involved, like you had a referee versus a debuting valet. The fact that this managed to be anything above like a minus five star match is incredible. This got two and a half in the Observer. It, this match so far exceeded my expectations I, that I, I like. I'm I'm giddy that we're talking about this now. I. 
I don't want to say I loved it because that would be going too far. Have Have we got so thunderbrain? Have we been truly broken now? I fucking held watching this match. I just, I think this was brilliant. Like I genuinely, this was. It's. It was such great comedy. Like it's one of those. It's one of those matches that you get every now and then. That defies rating. Okay, do you know what this was? What? Remember when WWE booked WLC and everyone was like, this is ridiculous, it's going to be awful, and it turned out to be incredible. Yeah. That's what this is. Yeah. It's like, um, I suppose an extreme, like, high-level example of this is two matches I thought of from WrestleManias are... Shawn Michaels, Ric Flair. No, Shawn Michaels, Vince. (laughs) Yes. Where I'm just like, this is in the category of match where like Vincent Shawn was like, I think Vincent Shawn is a five-star match, but I could never actually give it five stars. No. You know what I mean? Um, Another one I thought of from this year, Sami Zayn, Johnny Knoxville. Yeah, yeah. I was like, how how do you rate that? Like, it's not really a match, but again, kind of like this match. And again, that's on a much, I appreciate that's on a much higher platform. It's got much bigger stars in it. Um, And like, obviously, Sami Zayn is an incredibly talented professional wrestler and was able to carry Knoxville. Blah, 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 blah. And, you know, Shawn Michaels is Shawn Michaels in the other match we were talking about. That said, the entertainment this match provided the fact that it didn't completely embarrass the business. Now, there were some spots where I was like, ooh. Um, But also, the key thing you have to look for in things like this when you're parachuting into it 23 years after the fact, the crowd were losing their fucking minds for this. I was right there with them. Like, you were saying from the entrance, you were still a bit wary. I, no, from the end. I bought in right from the fucking entrance on. I thought yeah, little Nate coming out in his little Nate robe. Did I was thinking, did someone spread an office rumor that Charles Robinson was dying? And this was like a make a wish thing. Wish. Yeah. <laughs> um like possibly Charles Robinson himself spread the rumor to get this. Like little Nate with the little Nate robe, he like his hair is the exact same as Rick's. He's yeah. dyed it even blonder. Yeah. He's that like white blonde now, the platinum blonde, the like the, the trademark Rick Flair color. Mm-hmm. Um he his mannerisms like I think it's Tony that says it on Gomedar. He's like, this man's out here living his dream. Like he this is what all he's ever wanted. Yeah. Is to be Rick Flair. And he's getting to do it. Like he the, the scowls, the faces like Telling fat boy to sit down, like Charles is doing it all, mm-hmm. and then Gorgeous George comes out to Randy's music. Yeah, what up, man? And, and uh, it's just like she she fully embraced this. I I wasn't sure what way Gorgeous George was going to embrace this, but yeah. she seems to have bought all in. Like she comes out in wrestling gear, really yeah. good looking wrestling gear as well. Like. Again, I'm not like she, she's obviously a beautiful woman, but like she actually like 
looks like a top quality woman's wrestler, like the gear and she this, had on. This is, and you know what? I imagine the association with Macho played no small Definitely part helped. in that. Yeah. Again, something we've remarked on constantly is like no matter what he was coming to now, I I do think the current macho uniform of black on black leaves a lot to be desired, mm. especially when like for the first time in recorded history, he wears the same thing on multiple shows in succession. Yeah. But um a bit of like his advice is clearly making an impression on her because and it, it, you know, again, like you said, because she's a beautiful woman, because of the era it's in, it feels like it, the co- like this comment is is more than it is. But like her gear was incredible. Yeah, that that, that you know? that's what like very clumsily saying like it's yeah like not in a, like era, a dad like, kind of uh, uh, way. No, yeah, actually, no, 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 she no, looked like she looked like she was a full timer. She didn't look mm-hmm. out of place. Like of the era, like you would have expected her to come out in a fucking brand like booty shorts or whatever yeah and like that would have been her wrestling gear yeah but um no like she bought all in like knee pads and everything just i thought mm-hmm. it was fucking brilliant and then the fact that she gets into the ring and it wrestles charles robinson yeah. mm-hmm. like from that there's point, no like, safety net like there's like you, no one to carry the match no it's it's these two now obviously for hairs and they whatever i don't care they could have done this match 117 times that morning Mm-hmm. I don't care because they got in the ring on pay per view and had a enjoyable, yeah, two and a half, like what what they've given two and a half stars, two and a half, yeah, like two untrained people, yeah, on live pay per view, yes, the like the probability of things going badly wrong in this match was so high, yeah. And like it is kind of one of those things where we're so high on it, not because it was a three, four, or five star match, but because of how astounded we were that one, the crowd was into it, and that two, it wasn't one of the worst things we'd ever seen in our lives because it it really should have been. Yeah, like the Charles Robinson, a referee who's like a hundred and twenty pound is in there wrestling and a woman who's only in the business like four weeks. Yeah. She cannot have had any extensive dressing training. No. And they, they outperform mm. like 80% of the roster. Uh, one of the things I can't remember if we've said it about George before as well, like this, uh, I would buy into like her, like giving it her all because people do talk about her as just being this, absolutely genuine like warm and nice person sweetheart yeah yeah Yeah. and that people didn't no one had a bad word to say about her and this was a this was a time and a company where if there was something bad to say about somebody it was Mm -hmm. being said i i can't remember exactly but i think i remember on the macho documentary Mm -hmm. lanny poffo saying that like even to this day like he's still in contact with with Stephanie and she's still like I was trying to see because I was it was one of those things where I hadn't thought about her in so many years and I was worried she might have died um so I I found her her Twitter after she showed up on the podcast and was like no she's still doing it she's still going to cons she's still interacting with fans and she seems like genuinely thankful that there is like a a subset of wrestling fans that still remember her quite fondly Uh I'm remembering that correctly. Her, her real name was Stephanie. Stephanie. Yes. Something. Steph- wasn't it? Stephanie something. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like just like Charles, like doing the full on Ric Flair corner, corner bump 
run up ah. press slam and then follow up flare flop just you know what like there like, are so the, many like tribute wrestlers or people who are like emulating their favorite guys and 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 things like that but like for a guy with no experience in the ring to have done this accurate ascend up of flair is just like it it kind of blows my mind is like you could you could tell what absolute pride and joy Charles Robinson had in himself that he was getting to emulate his genuine hero while he was ringside yeah and it was as well I don't know but I don't know if you were doing this but every time he did a flare spot I would look for flare's reaction and by god was that man popping out of his shoes for everything uh, yeah he had to have been like just had to be in the joy for him to watch this like just yeah now the one thing I will say is you have Ric Flair who's in, like we said, the most pushed match on the show, yeah. not against Randy Savage, getting yeah. in and doing comedy sets. Yeah, because this is the thing where like <clears throat> Ric Flair is an old pro in the business. Like, surely he would have thought in his head, like, I'm ruining my own pop by coming out and getting involved in comedy before to my his serious own music. Match. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But yeah, no, just I, I, I like I say, I don't want to say I love it because it, it's not that type of match. But you had a but great. This time. is a match I, I, I would happily go back and watch this match again. Yeah. Um. So Asia is involved as well, and she's finally identified as Asia. This is the first time in our timeline that they use that name, uh, both in graphic and on commentary. Um. So Asia tries to drag uh, after the flare flop, tries to drag George out of the ring, but Medusa kicks her in the head. By the way, during the entrances, just compared to like Macho, who wasn't like the, the tallest wrestler in the world, uh, Miss Madness and George, Medusa looked like a genuine fairy tale giant. <laughs> like she was but wearing she was the big wear, heels. like yeah, like six inch heels. Yeah, she looked like she could fucking be like in the NBA by comparison to the rest of you look like an absolute giant now um, I will I will say like for all the worries I had about what uh, Gorgeous George would wrestle in yeah. Medusa does wrestle in all of your worst fears like <laughs> yes, that's a, yeah Medusa year. essentially wrestles in the gear we were worried George would be wearing yeah right to do spots like she, Med- she she ends up winning the Cruiserweight title like while wearing like fucking basically a bra like yeah yeah <laughs> um so yeah, Asia tries to drag her out of the ring, but Medusa kicks her in the head, which had to have sucked with those heels. Um, and it had to have sucked for Medusa to do that uh, while wearing the, like, the tightest dress imaginable. Mm-hmm. Uh, ref is uh, Another ref comes out, starts calming things down as Robinson gets a standing knee bar in on George. Uh, she kicks him away. He goes back. And again, it's like the classic flair. Like we're coming towards the end of the match. So I'm going to batter away at the legs thing. Um, So she kicks him away, but he goes back, locks in the figure four dead center. Um, And then they do again, classic flair spot. She starts rallying and reverses the pressure. And Robinson sells it like a million bucks. Uh, Asia distracts. Uh, flair tries to help, but Savage hits him. He puts down Robinson. George gets on the on Brett's rope, and by God, as uh, Randy Savage predicted, she does the Randy Savage elbow drop, and 
an absolute enormous pop for the win. Uh, which, by the way, just to remind people, that means Randy Savage was officially reinstated, yeah, reinstated yeah. in WCW. Um, like, look, it wasn't, it was middle rope and it wasn't the cleanest elbow drop, but I have seen so many better professional wrestlers hit worse elbow drops than that as well. Uh, all I can say is people thought CM Punk was imaging his elbow drop after the match, man. Yeah. It wasn't. It was after Gordon George. Yeah. Yeah, that is very true. I have heard that. Um, so yeah, like again, it's a, how do you rate it? How do you evaluate it? The crowd had fun. We had fun. It a definitely over That's what it was. It was. It was. It might have been hoot of the year. Maybe in the next mm. Tundies in a couple of months, we should uh, institute a hoot of the year category. Um, it's such a shame. I'll have to retroactively award one to uh, Giant and Meng, but anyway. We'll, we'll get to that at the time. Uh, we then get another video package for Buff and Scott uh, leading into the Buff and Scott Steiner United States heavyweight title match. Uh, match and starts quick. Martial arts division title match. Martial arts division title match. Um, we start off with Buff attacking Scott while he still has the belt on. I was really hoping that this was going to be, they were going to work the whole match with him t- without him taking the belt off. That would have been funny, but like, Obviously, Scott wasn't not going to show off the abs. Um, buff hits again. My favorite buff move of all. Lovely swinging neck breaker. Uh, Scott low blows him to gain advantage. And I was just like, I had actually forgotten for a brief second about how the whole like refs won't DQ him because they're afraid of him thing. It is kind of groan inducing that he does it so often. But at the same time, I was just like, I was actually more disgusted for a second that we had gotten like, the whole build up for this match all month on TV that only to go straight to a DQ finish within 90 seconds, I would have actually been more pissed. Um, <laughs> yeah, would would have been very WCW. Yeah. Uh, outside brawling. Oh, um, Scott puts Buff in a tree of woe and fair play to Buff because the angle he hangs himself at, it looks fucking gnarly uh, when he does it. Uh, Scott comes in with a chair Okay, right. So we've all seen the spot in a wrestling match where someone swings a chair and the other person ducks, right? Mm-hmm. Now, usually it's on this spot, it's very clear that it's a worked swing of a chair. Scott Steiner was trying to put Buff Bagwell's head in the top row. <laughs> he I mean, was fucking... Is- he was fucking the Bambino. He was Babe Ruth swinging for the fucking fences with this chair. This chair came at such a speed that, like, I want to clock the speed that Buff did ducking because it was so fucking impressive. He got out of the way, and um, it was like it's just a really cool little spot because he absolutely goes to decapitate him, and the momentum of how hard he swings, uh, swings Scott in a full three sixty spin, and by the time he turns around, uh. Buff has rotated in the other direction and hit him with a lariat. I thought it was like, again, for two guys who are not known for their impeccable timing in the ring, to say the least. Again, the margin of error on that spot for like somebody to end up facing the wrong way at the wrong time or or something like that, or Buff to actually get killed on live pay-per-view with a chair swing. Um I, I really love that spot. I wasn't wild about the match, but I, I love the spot. 
Um, yeah, I, I agree. Yeah. So they then, um, he both then starts buffing up and they start <laughs> slugging. The crowd is going absolutely wild. He hits a couple of really nice looking drop kicks on Scott. Um, atomic rough, uh, atomic drop, and just as I'm getting into this match, starting to get suckered in, ref bump. Yeah, that that just killed killed it for me. And it kind of annoyed me as well because I'm just like, especially with the way the match was going, they're not going to DQ Scott anyway. So what was the purpose of a ref bump? Like, if anything, it serves the story more to have what unfolds unfold and mm-hmm. not DQ him. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, like, this. yeah. And it's, like you say, it's that whole thing of, like, they've, they've played up the whole, oh, they're terrified to DQ him. So why, why do they need the ref bump? Yeah. Buff has the chair. Rick kind of tries to talk Buff down and says, no, you don't need that. Go up the top rope. Uh, Buff goes up towards the top rope and Rick nails him with the chair, wakes up, wakes up the rep. Uh, Steiner recliner locked in and it's all over. And the brothers are back together again. Um, Tony, with the biggest logical stretch of the whole night, says Rick and Scott for the first time in years are back together. Yearsly. It's a year and two it's a year and four months because it was the first yeah. month of us doing Thunder. It was January '99, like they were team beefy da for the first month, and then they broke up. Yeah, it was Super Bowl, wasn't it? it was February? Yeah, yeah. So a um, year and three or four months. Yeah. So years, years. You're now. really fucking stretching um, it. Right. So I mentioned when we were talking about the the uh, TV title match earlier on. Yeah. I I like that they've done the. Harlem Heat are back together. Are they? Are they not? At the same time as they're doing the Steiners, okay. Because they've the whole thing is they played up that Stevie is helping Booker and trying to get Booker back on his side. Yeah, and everyone assumes that's where it's going, and they've just kind of quietly just gone. Well, no, we're just going to circumvent that and just put the Steiners back together as kids. And it's like not what anyone would have expected. I'm not saying it's logical. I'm not saying it's like any way something that you need to think about too hard. Yeah. And shouldn't think about too hard. And shouldn't because it like probably ends up going nowhere. And mm-hmm. the Harlem Heat stuff just ends up going in another Harlem Heat feud. God almighty. Um, That's one thing I'm not looking forward to. Big T, baby. Big T is coming. Yeah. Um, I can't wait for men to have a match over the rights to the letter T. Look, it's it's a prestigious letter in the history of the business. Yeah, God. Um, but no, I, look, I I will give this a chance. I don't think I will enjoy it. Yeah, but I do like that they did a swerve mm. and reunite the Steiners when everyone was looking towards Harlem Heat. Yeah, and I definitely think like I'm because I'm so into Booker as a single, I'm kind of glad again, if I'm in 99, I obviously yeah, know what's going to happen, so it's not going to yeah. it's not going to last, but yeah, I would have been happy to to have him still out on his own. And uh, I think I think like we said earlier on, it very much feels like Rick has been slotted to the lower card. Yeah. So whereas Scott is very obviously the, destined for the top of the card. The, so it's not so much a reunion of them. It's more of they're back working together. The dynamics of the, the, the Steiners versus Harlem Heat is that 
there's a hope that if you put the Steiners back together, it might raise Rick's profile a little bit. Mm. Whereas my concern would be you put Harlem Heat back together and Stevie drags Booker down. Yeah. yeah. At this stage. I agree with that. Um, we get a, what do we get next? A, oh, fuck. Yeah, this is the most interminable few minutes on the whole show, right? We get a Sting Goldberg video. That's fine. We enjoyed that. Of all the video packages we had seen on Thunder, that was, I think, one of the ones we we actually mm. liked. Then we get Brain saying Goldberg is going to win because he has the drive to move forward. Tanae then backs Sting in his prediction. Then we go straight into a DDP Kevin Nash video. And then we go straight into another video, which is another recap of the Flair stuff, which we saw earlier on in the show. We saw 100 times on Thunder. Sp- like, guys, space them the fuck out, okay? Like, you don't have to do video packages for matches that are going to happen in half an hour. I think they were just filling time at this point. Oh, they absolutely they they realized they'd, they'd, they'd kind of run short on time. As in, something had gone a lot shorter than they had planned. Then we get our singles match, Roddy Piper versus Ric Flair. And this is funny. Like, again, we'll, we'll get into talking about the match in a bit more detail in a second, but I find it funny how substantially less interesting this match was to me than the referee versus the valet. And if you'd said that to me about a Ric Flair match, <laughs> I... Uh, I would have slapped you in the damn face. Yeah, it's not good. Um, it's not good. And look, obviously, Flair is older than he was, but like, this is one of those where Piper was never a great wrestler, uh, apart from in very isolated periods of his career. And he is certainly not a great wrestler in 1999 and is definitely firmly in the category of. If it wasn't for his buddies and his status, his quote unquote status in the industry, on merit, that guy has no right being in a ring wrestling in 1999. No, definitely not. Um, it's just like it's sad. Like, what, Do you know that? That's what, 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 what it is. It's sad. Like it was 1997 when Jim Cornette was doing those videos on Raw. Yeah, about like the, the old wrestlers in WCW. Mm-hmm. Like this is 1999. It's two years later, and and like they're not any better. Yeah. Um. Like putting Rick. Like I I understand name value, and I understand fans buy into name value and bringing back a big name like Roddy Piper to have a match with Ric Flair. And this is this is by the way. This is what two years after Age in the Cage. Hmm. That's like, like year and a half. Year and a half, yeah, because it was Havoc 97, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, um, like, he's already, like, roundly chastised as being washed a year and mm-hmm. a half before this. And here he is. Now, granted, yes. like, Flair's a lot better a partner than Hogan to have in the ring with you. But still. Yeah, it's just... It, it just does not help the perception of the company at all. No. Like, you can have a Ric Flair on a WCW pay-per-view. You just cannot put him in there with somebody the same age as him. Yeah. That's not what you want to use him for. It's not somebody... Surely if if, if they had Roddy Piper coming in, like, and and they knew they had him for X amount of dates, Mm. surely you look and you say... Well, we're gonna put you against Scott Steiner. Yeah. And we want you to give him the rub and get him over. Yeah. 
like I just don't see the point in putting Flair and Piper together and putting it on pay per view. No, if you want to give them like it's even at this point, if you want to give them fucking surrogates, it's like, it should not be. You know, it's classic WCW because it's like the only thinking is that these are the name stars. So we put them with each other. Magic will happen. Let's not worry about who the stars are going to be five years from now. Let's just go with what we think is a hot hand, even though it's absolutely not in this case. Mm-hmm. Um, but let's just go with the tried and tested. Because like there would have been a time where you know, Flair versus Piper in a grudge match for control of a territory could have been a heated program, but it's not 1999. And I think as well as the whole, you know, what we've already said about just uh, Piper not being any good in the ring anymore at all, is that people are completely burnt out on the constant who's in control of WCW. So yeah, I think there's it. there's that layer to it as well. It's like not only is this not a compelling match in the ring, but it's not a compelling story that you're trying to tell. We're going to pop at the places we know you're you're trying to encourage us to pop in, but that's kind of because we like Rick. Mm. And we don't want it's to a, like disrespect like Eric turned on WCW in what, like August? July or something of 1996. Something like that, yeah. It's now May of 1999. And we are still doing the who controls WCW. Yeah. And the power brokers, like you've had, like like we've, we've ran through the list before. You've had Bischoff. You've had JJ Dillon. You've had Nick Lambros. You've had Harvey Schiller. You've had uh, Ted Turner himself. You've had fucking who else? Uh, Ric Flair. Larry <laughs> fucking... The Zabisco face Bishop for control of Nitro and are yeah. like just an unimaginable list of people. And it always, no matter what, comes back to Bischoff. And it's funny because like this is again another thing that I, I think people will lay at the feet of Russo, who definitely got involved in all that shit with you know the power that the powers that be and stuff like that. But I don't think we all kind of acknowledge or appreciate that like this is another one of those tropes that WCW was long wearing into the ground before that fucking Egypt showed up. Like the, the Bischoff Bischoff Flair match was at Starcade. Mm-hmm. It's now six months later. Yeah. And Bish uh what well, Flair was only supposed to be present for 90 days. And then, like, at the end of the 90 days, they were kind of like, instead of just completely ignoring it, they were kind of just like, they brought it back up that he's supposed to be 90 days, and they're kind of like, oh, yeah, whatever. Kind of like the... He's insane now. Yeah, that, kind of that's like what it is. the Ric Flair on Psychiatric Hole thing was another thing where it was supposed to be 72 hours, and he was in there for two fucking weeks because they had all these ideas for these interminably long, terrible skits with him in the mm-hmm. asylum. I Look, I don't feel like recapping the actual match here because like what happens like there's a bit at the start where a little nature comes in and they fire johnny boone and his earrings there's a long spot where his arse comes out um interference punch kick it's terrible um there's like stuff involving little nature's referee again there's um aaron gets involved asia gets involved Mm. Piper forces a kiss on Asia. Yeah. Just, ugh, it just 
the whole thing is just sucks. And, and, and they do they they do a dusty finish as well. So like yeah. Flair cheats to win. And then who comes out to restart the match? But Easy E, who is just back, and in spite of the fact that Ric Flair like has booted him out of his job, and Ric Flair is still the president of the company and just secured control of it, somehow Eric Bischoff has the authority to restart the match. Mm-hmm. That's absolutely never explained. Well, um, he doesn't. He doesn't restart the match. He just decides that Piper won. Oh yes, that's sorry. That is true. He reverses yeah. his decision, should I say, yes. rather than and, and him and Piper hug. Yes, they embrace. Flair absolutely loses it. Piper says, "You're fired," um, because oh god, we definitely haven't had enough of authority figures firing people who definitely won't be off TV mm-hmm. uh, at this point in the company. Now, one thing I did like about this segment: Ric Flair getting in children's faces, wooing at them and then telling them to shut up. Five stars. <laughs> um, but I just wrote, what in the fuck is this? Like, this is an absolute mess. And again, it's another one of those things, like I said earlier in the show, they just had this idea that wouldn't it be cool if Bischoff comes out and That's reverses the, the decision. Yeah. Um, so because... Absolutely- because- not one second more of thought was put into it or the logic of any of it. It's because Flair is now a heel that Bischoff is now a face. Yeah. He's defaulted that, that, into being a face for the yeah. first time since he joined the NWO. And you know, he's just normal Eric Bischoff now because he has, the, you know, he's just wearing a polo shirt. And, he's just, and, and sneakers, yeah. Yeah, he's just, just Eric Bischoff here. A nice <sighs> neighborhood uh, wife swapper. Yeah. <laughs> let's Let's just move on. Um, who is the franchise? That is what this video package asked us. Once again, the answer wasn't Shane Douglas. Surprised. Then we get Sting versus Goldberg. What a contrast to these last three matches. Mm-hmm. Just two guys coming out to see who is the best in the company. I will say instantly. I don't know if you noticed this. Sting looks fucking hyped for this. Sting looks hyped for this. And as well as that, just the other thing I noticed, the tone of the show just immediately changes. And it's like life is breathed back into Tony Brain and Tanae. It's like, Isn't this it is this yeah. is what we're still here for. Yeah. Like, like this is what the whole show should be. Mm-hmm. This is just two fucking stars opposite each other in a match to see who wins. Yeah. That, that's what the story is. Yeah. And pe- people now in 2022 will complain about people just having a match. Yeah. Well, this was just a match because, well, you two are stars. You two say the franchise is WCW. Let's find out. Yeah. And I, for guys who hadn't had the big one-on-one match before, right? Because this is a money match. Well, they had. Oh, well, sorry. Sorry. No, sorry. Wolf- I, I missed lock- I lost to Goldberg. I misspoke. I meant to say the company acted like this was the first time yes. they wrestled each other. So for a story that you're trying to tell that this is the bir- the first money match between these two, ignoring the previous, was it still Goatee Sting at that point? It was go- Goatee Wolfpack Sting yeah. on an outro. Yeah. Like they literally fucking 90 minutes notice. Yeah. They did Goldberg Sting. Yes, yes, yes. Um, But their styles play very well into each other mm-hmm. because it's Goldberg all power, all might. And the classic babyface Sting never quits, never gives up. So that's just what you have to do for the match. Goldberg does all his cool moves and Sting just keeps coming at him. 
<clears throat> excuse me. Whereas I said like earlier on talking about Brian Nobbs that like he's dangerous and not good. I thought this was sloppy, but I thought this was the good sloppy. Yeah, yeah. As in it looked like a fight. It looked like... the aforementioned Sasha. Yes, 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 exactly. And I thought that really added to it because yeah, these two these are two totally different athletes. Yeah. But my god, did they have some fucking great chemistry straight away? Yeah. Um. So Sting attempts an arm drag. He gets blocked. Uh, slammed. Cross arm breakered. There was a bit just before that where he hits a, a just a, a a drop kick that would make Okada weep. It was so beautiful. <laughs> um. Sting gets a Boston Crab in, but Goldberg is able to power him off. And they're talking about how like Sting has already been kind of working the leg here and just the power it takes in a leg to just th- launch Sting off you like that is incredible. Um, so Sting is working the leg to take the power, the base away from Goldberg. He then works a headlock. Goldberg fights back. Sting hits a suplex. Goldberg simply says no to this and does kind of like a... Um, like a version of a hip toss for a, a near fall. Um, neck breaker from Goldberg, but he's still selling the leg. Goldberg tries a spear in the corner and eats turnbuckle. Um, Sting hits a top rope forearm, two stinger splashes. And then on the third one, he goes for it again and he gets speared out of the fucking air. <laughs> awesome spot. I loved it. It's not the cleanest looking spear. Like I said, yeah. It's sloppy, but oh, just great, great fucking looking spear. Yeah. And then, like, I get it, but I'm kind of like, oh, I would have liked to have seen a proper finish. Brett Hart just casually walks into the clearing. He hits, he hits Goldberg in the head with a chair. Pretty much like Scott Steiner was planning to in that match earlier mm-hmm. on. It's a brain scrambler. Yeah, not good. And then he caves in Goldberg's leg with a chair. And then the fucking Steiners are here uh, and they beat down both of them as the bell rings. Now, I literally just talked about it. If I were WCW, I would have had Steiner going up against an established star. I don't mind them putting Sting in a feud with Steiner here. Yeah, I'm kind of like, I'm disappointed that we don't get like a proper finish to this match. Mm-hmm. But like you've kind of, if you wanted to do a, like it could be a, you know, top two or three matches on your next pay-per-view. If you want to do that tag, to, even yeah, yeah, yeah. you can do variations of the singles matches, or you could do, uh, you know, uneasy friends in sting and Goldberg versus the reunited brothers in the Steiners, give the Steiners mm-hmm. a big win. Um, or you know, have the baby faces come out triumphant, whatever way you want to do it. Um, the one thing I think that would not have been received kindly is that during this beat town, Scott Steiner elects to spit on Goldberg a whole bunch, mm. uh, which was super gross. And Goldberg, not um, uh, not a man who was a stranger to the odd um moment of anger, uh. I, I can't imagine he took this well. No. But anyway, no, no. we get the redo of the high fashion video package for our main event. Uh, it is Diamond Dallas Page versus Kevin Nash. Um, 
I bet you cheered on Tony Schiavone during these ring intros because uh, your good friend, Mr. Buffer, is here. Mm-hmm. And he starts his introduction by saying that this is the biggest night in the history of our sport. And Tony is enraged. He took his line. He says he stole my line. So, uh, yeah, I was thinking that, like, you were willing Tony to hit the ring at that point. Um, Men come out. They start with a taunt off diamond cutter symbol versus, uh, you know, throwing up the the two sweet uh, into a crotch chop. Um, there's a bit where um, Paige is getting into the ring, but the camera cuts at a weird moment. And it looks like Paige falls down trying to get into the ring because like camera cuts to Nash. Uh, sorry, camera is on DDP when he's on the apron. It cuts to Nash who taunts and then it cuts back to DDP who is on his arse in the ring. I tell you, it probably wouldn't be the first time that DDP has fallen getting into the ring. No. For for all, all his good aspects. Not the most coordinated man in the world. No, sometimes he is very much like giraffe on roller skates. Yes. Um I think kind of um we don't like the turn, but this is the most blatantly DDP has worked the heel roll in a yeah. match. So mm-hmm. that was a nice relief. Um, that it's very clear face and heel dynamics in a page match for the first time in a month. Um, Nash is in control, but then Page gets the heat. Uh, he pulls out snips to expose the turnbuckle. That has got to be an uncomfortable foreign object to keep in your tights, right? Yeah, that's... Surely you just plant that ringside and you right. pop out and get it. You're one bump away from something real bad happening. Um. He distracts. So this is I. I like this kind of thing. He's using just dis- like he's using cheating to distract from other cheating. Where he distracts Patrick with the exposed turnbuckle, and then takes a microphone and fucking beans Nash with it for a two count. Uh, then obviously, uh, it has to backfire on the heel. Nash knocks Page into the turnbuckle. Uh, Page gets Nash outside. Uh, he hits a diamond cutter on the floor. And for some reason, Lee, absolutely fuming. It's not a false count anywhere match, which was never, never in the offing. Just one of them logical wrestler things of, well, I hit my finish, so I should be able to pin him. He goes to the ref, he goes, false count anywhere. And the ref's like, no. <laughs> it's really weird. Um, Paige, yeah, uh, what happens next? So rolls him in and gets his feet on the ropes, but Nash kicks out. DDP tries to ring post figure four, but big old spoon Nash stops him. Uh, he's kicking and stomping and taunting Nash to get up. Uh, Nash uh, gets up for a second. Uh, he starts a comeback with a whip and a corner clothesline. Snake eyes to the exposed steel, hits the big boot, calls for the jackknife, and immediately Randy Savage materializes in the ring for the DQ. And I feel like. There are DQs and then there are DQs. And would you agree with me that this particular DQ sucked the fucking life out of the building? Yeah, killed it. Killed the crowd. Um, Especially coming after a DQ in what had been a hot match yeah. between Goldberg and Sting. Yeah. I think doing one DQ on a pay-per-view is enough. Like yeah. if, to, if it's to an advance a story, like yeah. the Sting-Goldberg match, like basically it's a spin-off into two different feuds. Yeah, I don't think you can follow that with another DQ in a, in a title main event. 
And spe- um, then you get speaking of like, you know, we talked about the mirroring of the um, the Steiners and the Harlem Heat thing. It just feels like they had four, three or four ideas in this company at the time, because again, Bischoff comes out. And this time he does restart the match. Mm-hmm. DDP does a float over Russian leg sweep, which looked cool. Uh, the big man then gets a sleeper in. Page breaks with a jawbreaker for a two count. Page goes to get a chair and he does the angle rebound, hit myself in the head chair spot. Um, Nash covers for two, takes the straps down, jackknife, and we have a new champ. Um, like the DQ killed. Yeah, but I don't think it, like it wasn't a bad match. Like I, I thought it was worked pretty well. Like, it was fine. Was, I was on the higher end of the Nash scale. Uh, obviously, these two are good friends and have been for many, 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 many years. Yes. So that obviously helped with the Kevin Nash factor of the match. Yeah. He wasn't going to make Paige look like an idiot. Yeah. So I thought it was like passable. I, I, I can't say good. I think it was passable. Yeah, and it was it was fine. It was fair to middling, and, and I then think, I think the finish some, fucked that, it. That sometimes is like beyond expectation for a Gavin Nash match. True. Um, so from that aspect, like I can't say it was bad. Um, the whole Bischoff involvement, like just like like you said, it's they have very limited ideas. This is just Starcade '97 again. Mm-hmm. Um, this like, is pe- just half an hour ago again. Yeah, like pe- people <laughs> talk about how like WWE like got stuck on Montreal, Montreal, yeah. like WCW, the very same. They just mm. kept going back and doing the, like, well, restart the match, and um, it wasn't even warmly received the first time they did it. No, so it it just kills the crowd every single time. But I will say. This this whole era is when I really started to dip in and out a lot, lot more. So I kind of will see stuff for a few weeks and then I won't see anything. So like this whole era with like th- this is getting into the White Hummer and yeah, like the world title starts to change hands a lot, <laughs> like yeah, a lot. <laughs> um, I'm I'm cautiously optimistic that I'm going to now enjoy the the craziness of what's to come in the next couple of months hmm. yeah. it, I'm not saying it's going to be good because it won't it won't I'm categorically saying it will not be good but I'm hoping I enjoy just how fucking ridiculous it gets yeah yeah well, that brings us with the with the weird moment of the commentary team, the babyface commentary team, thanking God for Eric Bischoff. We leave uh, Slambery 99. Um, I got to know from you, Lee. Um, what did you think of the show and who were your winners and losers? There was too many bad matches on the show to say it was good. Mm-hmm. But there was also enough good on the show that I didn't hate it. Yeah. I, I think I think like you said, fair to middling is absolutely the way I'd describe it. Like thumbs in the middle. Mm-hmm. 
And I think Sting and Goldberg absolutely delivered on their end for what they were sent out there to do. Yeah. I think Nash and DDP had a good main event match, just let down by the booking, which yeah. is Kevin Nash. Yeah. Um I'm intrigued by the Steiner stuff. I continue to feel that Raven and Saturn are the are like just so far and away one of the best parts of the show, mm-hmm. the entire company. That's a damn shame that by the time we reach next pay per view, that Raven's already gone. Yeah. Um. Good night, sweet prince. Mm-hmm. It's there's so like there is good stuff there. It is surrounded by shit, but there there's good stuff there, and it's. I say it all the time. It's so frustrating that they have they have nuggets of ideas, and they get to a point and then they stop and they just cover in fucking dirt and crap and it just goes away. And ultimately, the highlight of the show for me was the two non wrestlers, which is just unfathomable to me coming into this show. Yeah, that I would enjoy that the most on this show, and yet here we are. So for me, Sting and Goldberg absolutely come out as as even like just they've enhanced their reputations with me alone just from this show. Mm-hmm. But the, the two biggest winners are Gord Shorter and uh, Charles Robinson. Yeah. No, I'd have to agree. I'd have to agree. Um, I am pleased to say that you you did mention it there. Uh, we will on the the next episode, the next yeah, the next episode of Thunder will be the final, uh, the final sighting of Raven on our timeline. So we do get one <sighs> more show where we get to say goodbye to him. I'm so annoyed at that. Yeah, yeah, and he's heading right back to ECW. What's Actually, really funny no, is that he no. went like right before he left. He went on a fucking winning streak. Here's one for you. I'm gonna I'm gonna put this offer to you. On the on the show, unprepared. I think we should watch that episode of Hardcore TV. Yeah, I'm down for it. Or, se- sorry, well, it's not Hardcore TV. It's, it's uh, ECW on TNN. Yeah, it's the second episode of ECW yes. on TNN. Um, yeah, I'd be down for that. Even just that, like segment, that whole segment. Yeah, mm. I could totally do that when it comes up in the timeline. That's uh, what, like August. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, probably right around the time of Jericho. Hey. Could be like our defection spectacular. Um, there, there's an idea. We'll put that one out to the to the yeah, Thunder Buddies. See what they think of that one. If, if those two, if they coincide in the same week, will we do like a Raw and TNN, uh, ECW on TNN show? Let us know what you think either at uh, WCW Thunderpod on Twitter or in the Discord if you're there. Um, I'd love to hear what, what people think about that. Yeah, fucking join the Discord and talk to us there. Join the Discord, Twitter. yeah. We do hang out there a lot now that fucking old Elrond has fucked the bird up. Mm-hmm. Um, the finish counter brought to you by Ludwig Borga. Nine matches with four clean finishes and five, five interference <laughs> leading directly to a finish. Um, yeah, only only two or three good ideas. Eh? Oh, hey, before we go, I have one more thing to plug. Okay. If you have not been following it, the Wrestling 101 series on VOW, VoiceTheWrestling.com, uh, Wrestling 101, 
an incredible series of articles um basically talking about like 101 matches that any fan should have seen not, not should have seen but like um should know about and like it like know a bit more about so it's not like the best matches of all time or the greatest matches of all time mm-hmm. it's like here's this dead match that gets talked about a lot or here's this tv match so on the light series of um matches it was what could have been or what should have been and it was rich Krejci talking about the cm punk john cena match from money in the bank mm-hmm. we had alan forel talking about an, a match from noah mm-hmm. there was uh shibata okada i can't remember who who um did that one oh it was um Neil David from VOW did that one. Um, And I myself did a Goldberg Hollywood Hulk Hogan segment. And I think Rob Reed also did a match on that one that I can't remember off the top of my head, which he'll kill me for. But um, yeah, that was. I'm sorry, Rob. This is you get the professional in next time. (laughs) Listen, Rob, Rob has podcasted with me before. He knows. Um, (laughs) He's well aware. So just I think that was the. The Tour de Fourth installment, just an incredible series, a a wonderful idea from Kevin Hare and Rob Reed for mm-hmm. um I I genuinely feel it's gonna be a series of articles that are gonna stand the test of time and like five, ten, fifteen years from now, people, new fans will be still like going back and discovering matches that are talked yeah. about in this series. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. Um, yeah, thanks for that. Check that out. Check out the uh, the Twitter. Check out the Discord. Come hang out with us. Come chat during the week. Um, the the this is Christmas week as this is being posted. So I'm going to wish all our listeners uh, a very happy Christmas, very happy New Year. Uh, however you choose to spend the holiday season, I hope you very much enjoy it. Rest up. Um, we've got an awful lot of content coming your way over to largemanappears.com, including our Christmas Day special for the second straight year, talking World Wrestling All-Stars with our friends Garrett and Liam from You Gotta Be Kidding Me. How they agreed to come back after last year's event with bananas and pajamas and road dog bursting into rooms randomly. Uh, I'll never know. Um, and God, it's just dawning on me that now I actually have to sit down and watch that show tomorrow before we record it. <sighs> but yeah, hopefully you guys enjoy it and uh, we'll see you again very, very soon. Bye-bye. And fuck Jim Cornet. <clears throat> Thanks everyone for listening to another episode of Days of Thunder. Days of Thunder was produced by Lee Malone and edited by me, Dave Ryan. Keep up to date with the show and find all the ways to listen to us. You can follow us on Twitter at WCWThunderPod or click the Linktree link in our Twitter bio or in the show notes. I am at the Day to Dave on Twitter and Lee is at Malone underscore 713. Days of Thunder is a part of the Voices of Wrestling podcast network. Follow the VOW network anywhere good podcasts are sold for more fine podcasts than you can shake a stick at. Thanks. Can you hear
Hey everybody, my name is Jesse Collings, and I want to tell you all about my show, The Gentleman's Wrestling Podcast, here on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. On The Gentleman's Wrestling Podcast, we do a thorough analysis on the biggest issues and trends within the pro wrestling industry. We talk a lot about pro wrestling media, we talk a lot about fan culture and wrestling's place within general pop culture, and we talk about the broader influences that are shaping the way we discuss and analyze the pro wrestling industry. We've had some of the brightest minds in the pro wrestling intelligentsia on the show, including WrestleNomics host Brandon Thurston, both Rich Krejci and Joe Lanza from the Flagship Wrestling Podcast, Trevor Dame from the Through the Years Podcast, and a whole lot more. This isn't a show for hot takes. It's not a show recapping the latest episode of television. This is a show focusing on the biggest topics in pro wrestling and doing a deep dive on the real stories behind the surface level analysis you might find elsewhere. The Gentleman's Wrestling Podcast is available wherever you get your podcasts, and we'd really appreciate it if you gave us a try. Thanks.